Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is Wednesday, September 8th, 2021, and you're joining us for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. I come to you each morning at about 9 a.m. to share this word with you. Of course, I do the same with our day school children every day um, at 8 a.m., actually, and uh, go through the lesson with them, although not quite in the same level of detail, mostly um, because very little children in there sometimes. So try to keep, just stick to the story and not do as much of the intertextual study, that is jumping around in the Bible to show other places where uh, similar expressions or uh, things are referred to, like we'll do today. Um, and then uh, also do it with my own family in the evening if I if I can. Although uh, last evening I wasn't able to pray with my family, uh, I had to go in in the afternoon with Anne to uh, the ER to get uh, some medication. Uh, she's got kidney stones, so we were there. To, uh, I don't think I actually ended up getting home until close to nine uh, after I had to go to the get the prescription filled and everything. So uh, keep keep her in your prayers today uh, until she's able to hopefully pass the stone and not have to have. I, I, taken care of it by other means. All right. So, of course, that's it's already been a busy week, and that'll just uh, make it a little bit busier yet. Or a short week, right? We had a holiday on Monday, a uh, funeral this week as well. So there you go. All right. But it's uh, good to take a moment to breathe <laughs> and to rest in God's Word, which is what we'll do right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse for this week. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. We'll say it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 111, verse 10. All right, and then our psalm for this week, in addition uh, to our psalm memory verse there, uh, is Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today. Continuation from St. Paul's letter to uh, St. Timothy, now chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, 
younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. Honor widows who are really widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left all alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things I command, that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under sixty years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, but refuse the younger widows. For when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. Yeah, real widows. (laughs) All right. Um, so there's the question in the chat. What? Really, widows? All right, so we have a couple things going on here that's uh, worth noting, I think. Um, the first is that, again, this is Paul's instruction to Timothy, who's a pastor of the church, and uh, he's instructing Timothy to approach all those whom he serves as if they were members of the same household of faith, right? So if he's speaking to an older man, treat him as if he's his father, to an older woman as if he's his mother, um, if it's a younger man, then as if it's a brother, a younger woman, as if it's a sister, etc. Right? Um, and uh, this is a good, I'm going to say mental exercise or diagnostic. Um, I've used similar kinds of diagnostic when I talk about um, the use of social media, especially electronic communication, is to say, is, is this the way that you would communicate to this person if you were uh, given to say that to them face-to-face? Right? Um, and I think most people have actually more than one persona. Right? They speak differently um, if they're speaking to someone in person than if they speak to them electronically. Right? And actually, electronic communication, especially social media, isn't really one-to-one communication either. Right? It's, it's a group communication. So is this the way you would speak in public? Like if you were given to, to speak at the front um, you know, of your, I don't know, VW hall or, um, or you know, to some other social group or in a classroom to your other students, that kind of thing. So that's, that's the first part, all right? And then it talks about widows. And uh, we did a Bible study on widows uh, with the LWML last year. Spent uh, a couple months, you know, once a month working through some of the texts on being a widow. And uh, so there's, there's a couple things going on here that you should note, is that uh, the first is the concern for widows, um, not that they fall into... Um, to pleasure, and that's just a euphemism for um, becoming a, a prostitute of some sort. Okay, so that's in verse six. So there's concern that the widow actually 
um, be guarded from sin. And what's the best way, I would say, that God guards people from sin? Because he does it vocationally. So he gives to you vocations to serve in, um, and that not to keep you busy, so to speak, but actually um, to keep you, your work, um, to, your work is used then to keep you from sin, right? And, and typically for women, not always, but typically women are given um, to care for their, for their children, for their household, and they don't have time uh, <laughs> to be busybodies, right? Um, unless now, I mean, one of the, I think, social ills that we see, if we're going to take this scripture seriously, is that women that are given much free time because they have their kids enrolled in, uh, in school um, for like seven, eight, 12 hours a day, um, now they're given over um, maybe to work, which, you know, that could be uh, good or ill, I suppose, um, but also given much, you know, leisure if they're um, stay at home without children than to be to be idle uh, or to put their their hands to work that wouldn't be edifying for the building up of their family or for the community. Um, in our current context, I've seen, uh, participate in a number of civil, or at least observe a number of civil action uh, forums online. Uh, and the majority of people who are writing letters, who are petitioning um, for redress of grievances, who are um, active in local school boards and other kinds of work, right now, um, especially as there's been an encroachment, I think, of the state into our homes and into our communities, um, are actually women, right, who aren't, uh, who have some time available to them and they can put it to good use. And I think that's what, I think that's what Paul's getting after here, especially with younger women. Um, he would have them marry, uh, if they're childbearing age yet, right, manage the house, because as he says there in verse 14, this gives no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So they they put their hands to good work, to the work that God would have them do, rather than um, going after, turning aside after Satan. All right, so the really widows are those um, who have uh, another characteristic to them, which is in the background here, and for that you'd have to look at Leviticus, the Old Testament text on, on widows, um, which is that they have no, no, no children. All right, so not only do they not have a husband, uh, but they also are not given uh, children, or their children have abandoned them. And so, what what Paul is concerned about here with Timothy is the taking in to um, the life of the church women as widows um, who then dedicate their life in service to the church. This is a, a early forerunner of um, you know the convent system of uh, women committing themselves, elderly women considering committing themselves to a life of service um, in their old age. Later, that becomes younger women, younger, younger yet, um, which I don't think is really um, in keeping with the scriptural mandate, although uh, certainly possible. The uh, so uh, in in the Lutheran tradition, not so not really here at all in the states, or or very very infrequently, but but uh, in Germany, for example, uh, Neuendadelsau, which is where Wilhelm Lea was, one of the three um, f- founders of the Missouri Synod. Although he never came to the states, but he sent missionaries here. That founded like the Fort Wayne Seminary. Um, Wilhelm Leia had a group of women in a, in a convent house, um, Lutheran women. Uh, we would call deaconesses. These were all women whose uh, children no longer uh, were present, and their their husbands had died. And then they would commit their final years to service in the church, providing all the sorts of things we see actually listed here. Um, where was it? Yes, uh, in verse 10, well reported for good works um, 
after bringing up children, lodging strangers, right? So they would take in strangers, washing the saints' feet, relieving the afflicted, so often serving in a hospital kind of setting, uh, including Norton Dettelzow, they had a hospital. She had uh, diligently followed every good work, all right? And I think that's a beautiful way. Um, if you're no longer caring for children or they have children to care for you, uh, nor a husband, um, then to commit your life to service to the church. Um, and we actually have programs for this. We, it's called uh, the Deaconess Program, although it's usually young women. Sometimes it's older women now um, who are embarking upon that than committing their life to service in the church. And that's what he's after here. And it keeps you um, from being idle. And idleness, uh, what's the expression about that the devil's workshop, maybe? Idle hands are the devil's workshop? I think so. <laughs> so that there's all sorts of things going on there. Um, and contextually, it's quite a bit different than our own context. But I think there's some things that we can still learn from that, of course, to apply to our current context. All right, good question. And now our reading for catechesis, continuation of uh, 1 Samuel, now chapter 23. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. And Saul, or David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his house, his own house. But then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all desire of your soul, soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain of the, to, on the south of Jeshimon. When Saul... And his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines, so that they called that place the Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds at Engedi. All right, and we'll hear more about Engedi tomorrow, of course. Um, let's see. Oh, before we begin uh, our catechesis on this text, uh, Eileen says tattletales, and I think she's referring back here. Um, 
the women who are gossips, yeah, busybodies. I suppose we've all known women like that. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some wisdom in recognizing that they just have too much time on their hands. Uh, and maybe they um, need to have some work, you know, given some work <laughs> to set their hand to that's uh, God-pleasing, but also uh, keeps them distracted from um, their own sinful condition. I should probably look up that expression, right? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Yeah, there it is. Okay, I guess that was right. Uh, and that is, is there any... Some think it originates from the Bible, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27, yet it's probably a mis misreading driven by the application of Protestant theological assumptions. Uh, the King James Version only refers to ungodliness. The Living Bible, Bible of 1971, injects the idea of idleness into the translation. Yeah, so it's from the Living Bible, 1971. Um, St. Jerome writes, et et Ut semper de diabolus inventiat, inventiat, excuse me, occupatum. Engage in some occupation so that the devil may always find you busy. And that's repeated by Chaucer in, Chanter in Canterbury Tales, which is probably the source of its popularity. So there we go. Now you know. All right, back to our text here. Uh, da, 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 da. So first question, where does David go? Um, into hiding, it says here in the mountains, in the wilderness of Ziph, stronghold, so some kind of cave or some kind of defensible position, right? Uh, but note what it says. Why cannot, why cannot Saul find him in, in the wilderness? Right there in verse 14. God did not deliver him into his hand, right? God prevented him. But who did come to see David in the wilderness? We have there his friend, old friend, Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan has great words for him. These are a lot like David's words for Jonathan previously, um, after Saul sought Jonathan's life, right, with the spear. Now Jonathan says to David, do not fear, do not be afraid. Saul will not lay a hand on you, right? These are gospel words, good news words, comforting words. Uh, and of course, then also to emphasize that, Jonathan repeats that David will be king over Israel and then and Jonathan will serve next to him, right? So what do the Ziphites do though? Yeah, they betray David, don't they? Right, they went to Saul uh, to try to make some kind of deal, right? We're gonna, our part will be to deliver David into your hand. And notice how Saul responds to them, right? Um, I suggested to the children that he misuses the second commandment, misuses God's name um, to say that this betrayal of David um, is actually a blessing and that he can bless them in the name of the Lord for this betrayal. Um, does God extend his blessing um, to such evil, murderous thoughts? No, I don't think so. Um, now, there's a little bit of the story here that's missing, and that's actually um, Psalm 54. Uh, it's not exactly missing, but actually it's recorded in, in the Psalms um, during this time what David prayed. And that's Psalm 54. Uh, it's right there in the heading of the Psalm, uh, which is in the original text, by the way, to the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David 
When the Ziphites went and said to Saul, Is David not hiding with us? Right? So this is David's prayerful response to what they're doing. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil and cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. So there you go. David's prayer uh, as he was contemplating their betrayal. All right. Um, Saul's words are very interesting here in verse 22. They might actually sound familiar to you. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I'm told he's very crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of the lurking places and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you and it shall be. If we, if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. That sounds like another murderous king. We've talked about him frequently. Yeah, that would be Herod, right? Remember. Who comes to Herod and uh, tells him that there's a king born? Ah, yes. And, and then he asks uh, the, the scribes, where was he to be born? In Bethlehem, of the clan of Judah? See? And then Saul, or excuse me, Herod, I should say, sends the Magi to go and seek him out. And when you find him, come and tell me so that I may too, may go and worship him. See the parallels? All right. Herod's attempts to find Jesus. Uh, but, of course, David is given to flee, just as Jesus, um, by way of Mary and Joseph, or Joseph's delivery into Egypt, right, with the warning of the angel. Here David flees, he goes to the wilderness of Maon, and notice where he goes. He goes to, a, to the rock. He went down to the rock, all right? Um, why would he go to the rock? What do you think that's all about? How about uh, Psalm 40 to the chief musician, a psalm of David? Maybe this is uh, the occasion for this psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Right? He has set my feet upon a rock. And of course, who is the rock? Aha, the Lord. Right? Um, how did God protect David in the wilderness then? You know, it's not, the rock is certainly where he sets his feet, um, but you know, there's a battle, he's encircled, but then a messenger comes, he sends, sent the Philistines to raid the land so that Saul has more pressing matters, is distracted, and has to go and fight them. Um, so, um, by verse 14, for example, God did not deliver him into his hand, right? And then maybe verse 27 here, the fulfillment of that, Saul saying, hurry, come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. What petition of the Lord's prayer do you think is being illustrated here? Now, that would be the seventh, right? But deliver us from evil here the evil king very good 
Saul's own son Jonathan came to proclaim the gospel to David and comfort him with the promises of God. Though the Ziphites attempted to betray David, the Lord delivered David and his men from the enemy when they had him encircled. Even so, our Lord teaches us to pray, Deliver us from evil, for our enemies surround us and are ready to devour us. As the son of David himself was delivered from his enemies on Easter morning, so we too shall be delivered. Okay, let's say the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. What's the fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. We pray, Heavenly Father, in the third commandment, you teach us that your word makes our lives and the day of of worship holy. Your word creates repentance and faith in Christ in our hearts. Your word gives us true help, comfort, peace, and strength. Your word brings Jesus to us with all the blessings of his salvation. Thank you for the rest and peace your word gives. For Jesus' sake, forgive us for despising preaching and your word, and grant us to hold your word sacred and to gladly hear and learn it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the fourth commandment, you teach us that our parents are your gifts to us. Through them, you gave us life, and through them, you care for us and provide us all that we need. Thank you for our father and mother. Forgive them when they sin and strengthen them with your grace to be faithful parents. Forgive us for every sin of disobedience, disrespect, and dishonor shown to our parents and all those in authority over us. By your grace, help us truly to honor our parents, especially when they fail, and to always serve and obey, love and cherish them according to your word, and for Jesus' sake. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray the collect for this week. O Lord, keep your church with your perpetual mercy, and because of our frailty we cannot but fall. Keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children, live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, For our communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day in Thanksgiving with Peyton and Grace, who celebrate their birthday. With all the households of our church, especially Tara, David, Christopher and Anne, John and Linda, Julie, Wendell and Amy. With all those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Angie, Jeremy, Kelsey, Ron, Amanda, and Dan. John, Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, Kathy, and Kay. Our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Mickey. The missions and mercy work of the church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care, uh, especially as they provide relief to those who suffered under Hurricane Ida. We pray in in intercession for the gift and increase of gentleness among us and for those yet uh, stranded in Afghanistan seeking rescue. Pray for those who are grieving, especially William, Bill, at the death of his wife Janice, also with Willis at the death of his wife Janice and their families. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, Lord Jesus Christ with us abide. Jesus Christ with us alive, or round us was he even tied. Oh, let your word, that saving light, shine forth untempted. Stay with us, Lord, and keep.
serve our whole heart, whole heart, life through. Your word alone our hearts defends, the church's glorious Lord's blessings to you all this day. God be with you. Keep you safe. Um, no other special announcements unless you've got uh, children who would like to enroll in our uh, course, after school course, towards confirmation in the congregation. Um, that only meets after school. Uh, in the day school, we do the congregation of prayer. Uh, after school, we do specific uh, catechesis towards confirmation. So uh, if you've got children that are involved in that, please uh, bring them this evening at 530. Um, and uh, no Wednesday evening service yet. That will be next week, Wednesday. All right, so the schedule's slowly ramping up. Uh, of course, make plans tomorrow to join us at uh, 1 p.m. for visitation, 2 p.m. for funeral. Uh, especially make plans if you can stay for the funeral. It's actually a great way to comfort uh, the grieving, your brothers and sisters in Christ there um, by singing and praying and sometimes actually just being the voice um, that they don't have, right? Because they're in uh, grieving, they're in sorrow, they're um, you know tired. It's actually fatiguing, um, and uh, so you can lend your voice to them, uh, so that the words of the hymnody and the creed and the prayer go into their ears and comfort them that way. All right. So that's uh, one of the things you can do, um, even if you don't know them all that well. Although um, Janice, in particular, she was. Um, baptized here in this congregation in 1928. She was confirmed here in 1941. She was married here in 1950, right? She went to school here, um, K through eight, or yeah, I think K through eight. I think we had a kindergarten at that point. And then uh, went to uh, Random Lake High School. So I, of course, served our congregation frequently. So, um, you know, she, and then of course, Willis was brought in uh, when they married in 1941. So he spent a majority of his life here too. All right, so uh, you can actually give thanks to God for all the ways that she served the congregation here uh, through all the vocations she had as well, and the way that she was served by Jesus, of course. All right, so I think I've made my appeal. <laughs> um, it's just weird that we've lost that practice of of uh, you know, even if we don't know someone, if it's a if it's a funeral of our of one of our brothers and sisters here, we we make all attempts to attend to attend, even taking off work if we need to. So with that, uh, I bid you fond farewell. Um, see you for lunch. Well, not literally, but figuratively, right? If not uh, later, tomorrow or in the resurrection. Lord be with you all, and we'll see you soon.